Alabama State Bar Rules of Professional Conduct, Rule 7.2E, requires the following communication in all attorney communications. No representation is made that the quality of legal quality of legal services performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. My name's Harry Steele, Backwood Southern Lawyer. My partner in crime, Paul Rip, is on with us today. How you doing, Paul? Right here, good, ready to go for our 32nd uh, podcast. And uh, Range, you, you're out there somewhere. How's life in Houston, man? I still shut down. Uh, city leaders see it getting worse where it gets better, so they've got us all at home still. A good thing for it. So yeah. along along with our uh, disclaimer required by the Alabama State Bar, we are also uh, doing a public service announcement because of some uh, uh, tobacco abuse or use that uh, has come <laughs> to our attention during the show. And uh, so uh, what? Pa- Paul and I are of the opinion that if uh, if you smoke during this outbreak, you are stupid. And Reigns is more that it is uh, is a free man is welcome to do whatever he wants, even on this podcast. So there's the disclaimer. Well, all right. And I'd like all right. to, I, I, and I'd like to add that. Each of us are adults on this show. We each have different views. Some of us may not agree with others. You may not agree with any of us. But uh, the intent of the show is to have an adult show, an adult conversation. So we'll try to keep it in that realm. Uh, We do get a lot of comments. Some of them are ridiculous. Some of them have some merit to them. So we're listening. But uh, go with it, Harry. All right. Yeah, y'all, it's, it's just to keep things adult, I'll guarantee it, I'll only smoke one cigarette during this podcast, all right? <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm going right here. That's a damn lightsaber. I'm just going to have one cigarette through this whole thing. Okay. And I figured that's, you know, that'll help with the public health of things if I just have one. So That'd be a 30-minute draw. All right. Not, not bad, man. That's not bad. I like it. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to smoke through the whole thing, and anybody that's got good sense won't. But if any of you think that I'm some kind of social influencer, if I'm the reason you start smoking, call me, let me know, send me an email, and I'll send you a dollar for your uh, for your health savings account every time you buy a pack of cigarettes. <clears throat> there you go. All right, so, Paul, I want you to, uh, if you're seeing the screen, you, you know where we are in the show. Um, go for it, man. You're talking about on the uh, Al Dodd, or you want to go to the RIP report? Um, It does matter to me. You can talk about the McSherry case, the Lanyap stuff, the RIP report, Catalyst, AL.com. It's all, all that's your ball of string. All right, let's go to the, uh, let's go to the RIP report first. The latest RIP report is Catalyst, a party. Uh, You can get it on ripreport.com, Baldwin County Legal Eagle, or the RIP report on Facebook, either one of those. This last meeting was something to see at uh, Fairhope. Of course, they're practicing social distancing. You would have had to watch it on TV. And it was something to see because now you can see and you can't speak because number seven on the agenda, and I hope that you do read the article, but number seven on the agenda was the suspension of public participation. Now, remember folks that this city council has already denied yours truly the ability to speak before the council and was taken to federal court over this issue where I want. 
So now we have a suspension of public participation and it is being blamed on the mayor, I mean, on the governor and her orders, but her orders said nothing about public participation and no, no nothing was offered in, um, uh, in lieu of no participation. In other words, you can't call in, you can't do anything. There's no public participation. So you had best watch very closely the Fairhope Council. Mr. Burrell promised that nothing would happen during this time of COVID-19 and that the suspension would be lifted. However, if you remember, Mr. Burrell also promised about the rec land and totally did the opposite of what he was going to do there. Speaking of Mr. Burrell, number eight on the uh, agenda was about the town clock. And any of you that have followed it uh, know that the town clock costs us $535,000 for one thousand square feet. That's what we paid for it so far. Mr. Burrell handled the negotiations of it and um, got the owner so upset that we ended up having to pay an outlandish amount for it. Now, the, there's a resolution by Mr. Burrell to authorize a $10,000 payment for an environmental site assessment plan, assessment of the property because there's gas tanks that are buried on the same property. The environmental site assessment is paid by the seller, not by the purchaser. So why the city is paying for this, I don't know, but you can be sure that the site assessment is gonna say, okay, those tanks that are in the ground buried on Main Street in the center of town are now gonna to have to be replaced. So don't be surprised if we don't go over $600,000 for the town clock. But, the, but Paul, the beauty is you can't show up and bitch about it because they're doing their meet. Aren't they doing their meetings by Skype? Isn't that what they're using? They're using a uh, closed circuit TV, YouTube. Are are they in the council chambers or are they at their they house? Are in the, they were in the council chambers this last time. Yes. Okay. And I, let, me, let me throw this in there real quick. Sure. Because I want this to be known. If Harry doesn't do it and Paul, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. I'm call after this podcast. I'm calling my friend in the, at the Justice Department in Washington and saying that the City Council of Fairhope, Alabama, is deliberately and without prejudice violating the Sunshine Law. When they close, you cannot suspend public input into a public meeting for any reason. Not even martial law does that. They have to have a conduit for it. They cannot call it off and say no because somebody said. We're in a pandemic. You cannot comment. There has to be an open venue for that. And well, I, if y'all doesn't do it, I, I'm calling the Justice Department. We're well, I hope you do. But the one thing that brings to mind when you say that is the late senator or the late serving senator, uh, Boom Boom Pittman. And he said, we do things different down here in Baldwin County. That's Got that right, truest, brother. That's the truest words he ever said. All right, number 12. Speaking of Boom Boom Pittman, number 12 was uh, the authorization for disaster debris removal. And those of you that lived around here know that when Mr. Pittman was uh, our acting senator, he's the one that took the largest share of the BP money in our area. And then uh, not only that, but he had and maintained the disaster debris removal, which was worth millions of dollars for years. And that was all by the support of, guess who? Mr. Burrell, 
who happens to be his Bible buddy. Okay, in the, in the middle of this meeting, and this is real important for the people of Fairhope because here comes the introduction to the mayor's race of 2020 in Fairhope. Mr. Brown, right in the middle of the meeting, starts talking about the fire department is uh, working with Sherry Sullivan, and they're suggesting, as well as the council, that maybe we have a grand party in Fairhope that celebrates us all going back to work. Well, hey, Paul, what, can I well, these are a couple of high-stepping tur uh, turkeys, and you know what to say about a high-stepper. No <laughs> Keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> to get, get that high-stepper in there. Had but to get anyway, some high-stepper in there. Uh, uh, so anyway, in the middle of all of this, Mr. Br Mr. Uh, Boom speaks, I mean, um, Brown speaks up about Miss Sullivan and them wanting to have this party. That was then endorsed by Mr. Burrell, who said we could close all the streets in town and have bands and all of this. Uh, of course, tomorrow, 17th, 8th, I mean, 18th, 19th, and 20 is what the projected peak in Alabama is for the virus. And these guys are talking about a party. So hey, nothing more but an introduction of Miss Sullivan, who's going to run for the mayor's race. That's all my right. prediction. All right, so let me let me uh let me, let me interrupt you here for a second. So sure. So Miss Sullivan worked for the former mayor, Mr. Kant, and I don't remember what her position was. Can you tell me well, what her position was? At one time, she worked at the rec center, but uh, she did a pretty poor job there. So I don't know where she went after that. Well, she went into she went to work for a private internet company and now she's working for, um, Riviera utilities, correct? In, correct. In, in, she in also, their marketing department. Correct. And she also was one of the supporters along with Mr. Brown and Mr. Burrell to have the, uh, arts and crafts show, which up to 200,000 people, uh, attend. Um, uh, and well, that I Go I don't ahead. know if I don't know if you can hang that on Sherry, but well, they were advocating to they were advocating to run it. They sure as hell were. Yeah, okay. I, I, I believe you. I, I just <laughs> I never saw her name. Well, we the way I remember Paul talking about it, and you read through the rip report, and I guarantee yeah. you can hang it on that person. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay. The I got two more things here. One is the uh, last resolution, which is always one that gets me is the fire department. We have a volunteer fire department, Fairhope. And uh, those of you that have followed the fire department will realize that the fire department doesn't comply with anything the city wants uh, to have done. You can't get any information out of them or whatnot. But Mr. Burrell was uh, speaking about the fire department buying one E1 custom rescue pumper fire truck for the fire station. And the city is paying $331,000, it says, from impact fees. And the Fairhope Fire Department is paying $200,000. And Mr. Braille mentioned how gracious that the fire department was for paying $200,000. And then I got this from Tip the Ripster. Fairhope Fire Department doesn't donate anything. This money comes out of county property taxes collected from citizens which can only be used for certain things. Fairhope has no idea what the fi volunteer fire department uses the money for because they certainly do not contribute to the budget. 
and Fairhope will never know because their treasurer, the fire department will not supply any audited financials to the city. I remind you there are serious penalties for spending restricted funds improperly. That was one of the first uh, tip the ripster and I'll close with the second tip the ripster. I had a nurse call me, asked me if I would speak to a doctor confidentially. I said, yes, the doctor called me. He said he did not follow politics in Fair Hope, that he knew who the mayor was because he'd seen her at some functions, but he didn't know any of the council. And he said, Mr. Rip, I want you to understand that if you look at uh, New Orleans and you look at Mobile, the reason that they're having such a problem with the COVID-19 virus is because of Mardi Gras. Uh, no doubt that is what spurred it on and that the people of Fairhope better get on their knees and thank God that they didn't have that arts and crafts show because that would have been a monster mistake. And so, I said, you really think so? He said, no, sir, I don't think so. I know so. He said, the only reason I'm calling you is that I want you to let people know how important it is that that arts and crafts show, even though I know everybody wanted it, but that it was canceled, canceled was an extremely smart decision. So I'll hand it back over to you, Harry. Let, right. me, uh, let me give you an analogy that I think that everybody in East Texas and South Mississippi and South Alabama and Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, everybody can understand what I'm about to tell you. It's a story. And I'll try to make it quick. When I was a young man and started hunting in the woods, I read the regulations said you got to have um, 160 square inches of orange on whenever you go out in the woods during whitetail deer season. You guys have that law in Alabama, right? You got to have your vest on or something, right? Hat, right. vest, something, yes. Something. You got to have X amount of square feet so people can see you, okay? I had a guy who's a, he's a still hunter. I was a still hunter, too. I never dog hunted. I hated it. So I'd get out in the woods and I'd stalk. And Last I'd for me. Anyway, well, I always wore my orange. My buddy, he said, you know what? I think that orange stuff's bull crap because I get deep in the woods where there ain't nobody. And I said, well, no, it's, it's for your own safety. It's for your own good. And he said, I went out there one time and I got shot at five times but never got hit. So I think the law's bullshit. Well, <laughs> of course he does. That's because he got shot at five times, but never got hit. Yeah. You want to get shot at five times and not get hit? Go ahead and throw you a big party in Fairhope to open it all up. Go ahead and have Mardi Gras part two, right where we're hitting the peak of this thing. And there'll be people that won't get sick. And they gonna sound just like my dumbass friend who said, I got shot at five times and didn't get hit. So the law is crap. All right, so I I need to take this over for a minute. And um, Reigns, I don't believe you know about this. Um, so I, I'm curious to hear your reaction. And, of course, because I'm involved, I'm not going to be able to say everything that I'd like to say, as you could imagine. Um, but what I will say is when you're charged with a crime or uh, uh, an incident happens uh, in a municipality, um, when – from the time the incident happens until a year from that date, the city has the ability to amend the charge, to charge you with, with some other crime that occurred that, that happened in the incident or whatever. And so, uh, anyway, 
since I've explained that little bit, um, I think I've said enough, and I'm going to let Paul uh, tell tell you, Reigns, a little bit about uh, what we found out this week about the McSherry um, assault case. So go for it, Paul. I'm going to let you guys have this one. All right, this is uh, Lanyap, see no evil. Judge tosses out McSherry's assault charge. This by Gabe Times. Uh, I'm going to read this thing to you because I want you all to hear the whole thing. Baldwin County Circuit Court Judge Clark Stallsworth dismissed an assault charge against Fairhope restaurant owner Ronan McSherry, 26, one which McSherry pleaded guilty to in municipal court. Since that conviction, however, McSherry appealed both the assault charge and the related public intoxication charge to a circuit court. In his order dismissing the assault charge, Stankowski determined that the judge of Fairhope that the determined that the city of Fairhope's charging document contained a fatal defect. It failed to allege that McSherry, quote unquote, did cause physical injury to another person. The incident in which McSherry was accused of shoving Paula Donardi off a bar stool in Little Whiskey Christmas Club on December 23rd, 2018, was captured on camera. Donardi has filed a separate civil complaint against McSherry seeking damages for physical and emotional distress, including allegations that McSherry conspired to harass and intimidate her from testifying against him. While both hey, the Paul, civil case, Paul, yeah, let's uh. Don't don't read the whole article. I think we might run into uh, you know when it's open source and we and we use it and refer to it. But you you know what I mean. Paraphrase for me. Okay. The, the city end, of Fairhope. Uh, the city of Fairhope. This is what the judge is saying. And remember that Judge Stankowski uh, asked for this case to be heard in his court. But the uh, judge says that a failure to charge an offense is. Uh, the kind of defect involved in due process and cannot be waived. And this goes back to the point of uh, the year lapsing. The prosecutor in the case was Fairhope City Attorney Marcus McDowell, municipal judge, Haynes Snedeker, accepted McSherry's original guilty plea and imposed a sentence of 180 days for jail time and credit for two months allegedly spent in rehab. Now, now we know, ladies and gentlemen, we, we all kept saying, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Now we know it's taking so long so where they could wait until this year lapsed, there was no amendment, and then they could throw the charge out. Now, Mr. McSherry must know something pretty important to be able to pull this off time and time again. That is frightening you better bet it is and i hope people in town are thinking of this this man has been convicted numerous times he pled guilty it's on film and now you're saying that the city prosecutor failed in his duty if that's the case then he should be fired but i'd like to say this that the city prosecutor mr mcdowell has always been Mr. Burrell's attorney and Mr. Burrell is very good friends with Mr. McSherry. Welcome to Lower Alabama. And just remember, Reigns, if you're hungry, you can stop by McSherry's Irish Pub and get the Jack Burrell sandwich. But um, as Paul always says, you're going to need some damn Rolades. 
Yeah. I believe I might ease over there with a couple of my cousins from the six occupied counties and pay Mr. McSherry a visit. <laughs> I don't think you can I don't think you can do that either. Well, I would never affirm to such a thing on a public broadcast. Well, now he's uh he's been a menace to the community and uh he's running a bar and this has been controversy after controversy, and I don't see how he holds on to the ABC license other than uh, his attorney is also the ABC attorney. Well, it's it's one of those things. Most people that run bars like that, that those little manila envelopes end up in the right back pockets, and that's how bars like that stay in business. Ask the person that owns the keg down near Josephine, Alabama. Just makes you wonder what's in that little envelope. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. All right, boys. I'm. I think y'all beat it pretty well. So what let's about, talk. Let's talk about some some coronavirus numbers. Is everybody up for that? Okay. Oh, yeah. Then we'll get back to uh, Lanyap. All right. Yes, sir. So um, right now in Alabama, the this is a little bit dated. Um, we have four thousand four hundred and four confirmed cases. Thirty six thousand people have been tested and 82 deaths are attributed to uh, the coronavirus right now. Um, unemployment claims in Mississippi, 129,000, Florida, 500,000. Um, Those are just new unemployment claims. Those co aren't correct. That's not a total or anything. That's, that's just in the last 30 days. I believe that was the, the quote. Um, of course, the president came out with new guidelines for governors to follow so that states can reopen under certain conditions. Uh, one of the, the the reason Alabama is is nowhere near opening is that we have to have four, 14 consecutive days of decline of new cases. Um, in response, 17 states have created three regional coalitions to come up with their own plan to open regionally. And of course, New York State is closed through May fifteenth. They have fourteen thousand uh, deaths and two hundred and fifty thousand cases in their state. So we don't expect them to do anything much anytime soon. Um, you'll see here uh, the mayor of Amityville, um, and we'll move on to another slide. And this is a letter or a message from Mayor Robert Kraft and the City Council of Gulf Shores regarding recommendation recommended uh, local business reopen and the beaches. And um, they're saying they want to open the beaches May 1st and all medical and dental uh, offices will be able to uh, open again with certain social distancing. All beaches reopen for limited recreational purposes, walking, running, swimming, surfing, fishing, and similar activities will be permitted as long as social distance, distancing guidelines are followed. Congregating on the beach and the use of chairs, tents, or umbrellas is prohibited, and they're hoping by May 15th, all beaches will be reopened for normal activities subject to compliance with social distancing guidelines as set out by the state health officer. So, with uh, Alabama uh, in the orange, if you look over here on the map, uh, and this was as of April 9th, um, and we're still there. We're still under 5,000 cases, so um, I didn't see any need to, to update this. So, um, Paul, unless you had something you want to talk about about numbers, um, the only other thing that I did want to throw in on this part is that there is free local testing that's being offered at the Alabama Public Health Clinic in Robertsdale. 
Um, you have to call a number. Obviously, they they still have limited tests, so um, you have to have be presenting some kind of symptoms or come into contact with someone who tested positive. You have to call 947-1910 to set up an appointment, and these tests will be administered Tuesday, April 21st and Thursday, April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, you can look at the Alabama Department of Public Health dashboard for other testing sites. So, Paul, carry on, my friend. You're well, let me say a couple up. things. I think Reigns has a couple things he wants to say on the uh, virus, but uh, the two that I'll refer to again are back in the uh, Lanyap this week. Uh, and coronavirus could mean an Alabama manufacturing renaissance. And this is by Jeff Poor. And uh, this is uh, somewhat of a uh, possible prediction of what could happen if we started to uh, go back to manufacturing our own uh, medical stuff instead of it coming from China. And there's probably a good possibility that uh, that could uh, happen. You know, Vanity Fair was quite the manufacturing base here years and years ago. So the South is equipped to get into that type of thing. It was NAFTA that really drove most of this out. I have to give old Ross Perot uh, credit there for saying that NAFTA was going to be a giant sucking sound of our manufacturers in the United States. And that did indeed happen, but it's a pretty good article. Then you have um, also another article that uh, is called Silver Lining by Dale Leash, again in Lanyap, COVID-19 closures lead to efficient road projects. That's one of the uh, things that I have seen that is going very well, particularly in Mobile and Fairhope, where they have big major road projects because there's been a lot of less traffic. They've been, been able to accomplish these uh, projects on a much, much faster basis. Uh, but let me hand that back over to Reigns. I think he had some stuff he wanted to go over. Well, what I wanted to talk about is modeling. And no, I don't mean all of my bartender friends that have suddenly become webcam models because they can't work. I'm talking about science and data. I'm a political person. I'm a political consultant. I rely on numerics. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Numbers rule the day. And I've spent the last about 25 working hours reading research papers, open source research papers. They're available online. And the, and the ones that I quote here, I'll post a link to just for bona fides sake. So you understand that I'm not making all this up. One thing that I found extremely fascinating this morning was reading a comparative, a, a comparative study of two essays. One, that was written for the Centers for Disease Control in 2017. All right. And it was written. It was written by uh, Dr. David Muscatello and a couple of other people. And it talked about they did a study in Australia and they studied the real time infectious modeling. And they said current tools for infectious modeling are poorly done and they need more information from key public stakeholders, which means people that are out and around into the economy. And it introduced me to a term called homophily. All right. 
homophily is a, a, an analytic term that, to, to put it in layman's terms, means that birds of a feather plot, flock together. It's the tendency of individuals to associate and bond with others of similar mindsets, stations, and a number of other uh, quantitative factors. To give you an idea, if somebody's sitting at home right now and they're a hardcore, say, Democrat, and they're one of the Bernie bros or whatever, and they see that uh, everybody else like them in their own group, I'm talking about in their circle. You guys know we all have a circle, right? Our circle of friends and people that influence us and people that we influence, not necessarily our buddies, but our social circle. People within that social circle, when they do something that that person agrees with, they tend to lean more towards listening to that person and paying attention and mimicking that person. That's what homophily is. While I quote that study that was done in 2017 about current international plague models being ineffective, I found a counter study that was also done in May 2017 by Thomas House and Daniel Sprague for a company called Spectra Analytics. That's, a, that's just a think tank. They're just a number crunching group. They found that, and bear with me, because I'm really putting this out there because I believe it will help drive it home. They found that the current predictive models for epidemiology followed and were absolutely perfect when it came to online trends. Who here remembers the ice bucket challenge? Oh, yeah. Remember that? The ice bucket challenge and all that? Yeah. Uh, you remember You remember planking? Right. right. They were doing that. And they were laying out flat. They mapped. Yeah, that was. About I didn't do that. Different internet trends. Like memes that were going around. And they used the Google analytic model for when those things came, when they were introduced, when they ran their course, when they peaked, and when they dropped off to nothing. They found in their study that it absolutely perfectly matched the worldwide World Health Organization's predictive model for epidemiology. Huh. Because of this term homophily. People will do what their circle influences them to do. So in a time like this, according to these two studies, and I'm using, this is science. You use these, you take these two identical models and you say the CDC says, if we stop social distancing or back off social distancing from its current state, we're going to see a rise. Well, if you take people that want to go to the beach and the beach folks and your beach buddies and your Jeep friends and your partners from the Rod and Gun Club all say they want to go to the beach and you open the beaches, they're going to go to the beach. And guess what? It follows the CDC's model of an increase in cases Exactly. If you stop social distancing too early, 
if you stop these things too early because of homophily, these people are, are going to come. So let me like them. Let me give you another let me give you another example of homophily, okay? Um the ultra uh religious uh pick a denomination, holiness or somebody like that. They're going to go to church, be damned whatever kind of law there is out there. I I think that's another good example of homophily. That's a great example of homophily. And not only that, but they're going to be influenced by others in that group. So someone who's in that circle, who's maybe just to the left of center as far as precautions go, if the majority of their circle moves to the right of center, they're going to follow along with it regardless. That's what homophily has taught us. And this model that tracked internet memes and tropes follows exactly this, the current CDC model for epidemiology. Now, I know that sounds silly, but I'll be the one that goes on record that says, we are controlled by homophily in this country. The influencers of this world aren't people in great standing. They're people with lots of followers and things like that. For people like the three of us, we're influenced by science and data and, and political ramifications of things. But our nieces and nephews, our sons and daughters are not. They're That's true. They're influenced by what they see online. So if that if that trend of, you know what, everybody in my circle of friends is saying, everybody in my social circle, circle is saying it's okay, then it must be okay. It is extremely dangerous. Right. And as a libertarian, I'm not one to say the government's got to step in, but somebody does. Well, one now, of the responsibility in your circle of people to be the dissenter and say look let's have some sense about this yeah and i think that that especially in our area where we're listening some of these people on social media that are just screaming we got to go back to work it's not as bad here it's a hoax it's this it's that well i don't think that they understand how well social distancing is working and that's very unfortunate because the very reason that they're complaining is because social distancing is working. That's 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 my buddy in the woods. He said, we don't need the orange. I got shot at and missed. I never got hit. That's the same kind of thing. The right. reason we're seeing a flattening of the curve is because we're social distancing. Right. And the only other, the one other thing that I is really disturbing and very selfish that I see of people that let's say we're talking about China or sub-Sahara Africa or places like that, refugee camps where this could get out of control and then make comments. Well, I don't give a damn about them. Hey, well, hey Paul, the Paul, that so, is the problem right there. So, so yep. China is trying to, trying to keep their numbers for new infections at zero. So at the Russian border, anybody who was there trying to get out of China into Russia, they were detained. They weren't let in. Well, now China won't let them back in because they may be infected. <laughs> and nobody knows how many people there are at the border. And and the Chinese don't really. I mean, when when uh, just like I said a, a few weeks ago, you know, Bradley Burns working with the State Department, trying to get a guy from Alabama back here for his wedding. Um, what's China doing? Hell no, they don't even care about their citizens. They care about the perception. And that is a big part of the problem. Right, right.
Well, I would echo that uh, there's parts of our government that I won't get into viciously, but there's parts of our government that are much more concerned about the perception of what our economy looks like rather than what our economy actually is. Absolutely. I, and the thing that I'll say is I posted this on social media yesterday. All these millionaires that are pushing for the economy to be open only proves one thing. They don't make their money. You do. Right. That's a right. fact, brother. That's a fact. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about my, uh, so I told you guys I did a garden and I have poor soil. And so here is a, uh, real down and dirty, quick look at my crack key hydroponics method. Um, I ordered some, uh, some chemicals off Amazon and you just put them in the bucket and stick your plants in there and things are cooking. So, uh, hopefully Paul, I'll have some vegetables I can leave on your front stoop or something for you. Did you get those uh, seeds from Amsterdam? <laughs> no, sir. Those are uh, tomato plants. And, oh, that's uh, another plant. <laughs> yeah. All the fuzz I have on my ass, and you want to make a joke like that. flower bed. Right. I'm you want to get to uh, Mr. Hubbard? Oh, my God. So... Uh, the Alabama Supreme Court finally ruled that. Uh, why don't you do it, Paul? You go for it. I'll I'll commentate. All right. The uh, again, this is uh, this week's lanyap. Whose lobbyist is it anyway? High Court upholds six convictions against former House Speaker and dismisses five others. However, with the Supreme Court, most justices agreed at least in six of the eleven counts that Hubbard had clearly quote unquote quote used his official position or office to obtain personal gain. And uh, the article goes on to quote our uh, Attorney General, Steve Marshall, who says, this case was not just a trial of former Speaker Hubbard's misconduct, but also a test of our ethics laws. And they needed to be stronger as many others who have, uh, and, uh, then he com uh, complimented some of the attorneys and everybody that were uh, victorious in bringing Mr. Hubbard to a successful conviction. And despite all of that, he didn't mention the fact that Mr. Matt Hart was the main one that uh, was a white collar section. And he's the main one that brought Hubbard to trial. And he didn't even mention that probably because he also let Mr. Hart go. But no, he didn't he, let him go. He shit canned him. Yeah, well, he yeah, that's what that's what happened. But the thing that I see here is Mr. Marshall talking about this case was not just a trial of former speak covers misconduct, but also a test of our ethics laws. Mr. Marshall has the complaint against Mr. Robert Brown and him using his office for personal gain on his desk. And as yet, I have heard nothing of uh the attorney general doing anything with that investigation. And if Mr. Hubbard is guilty, I can assure you, Mr. Brown is equally as guilty. All right. So let's talk about the attorney general for a second. When he first took office, there was a, a claim that he violated elections law by taking $750,000 from an out of state pack to pack transfer. Correct. The, the uh, ethics commission declined to send it on, uh, to prosecutors by a vote of three to two. 
Don't it doesn't get any closer than that, boys and girls. Nope. And and, and he's the guy who's in charge of prosecuting white collar crime in this state. Right. Um, right. Can, Harry, when you after the podcast, could you do me a favor and send me some details of that case? Because I am. Oh, certainly. So, so let me transfers, and I'd like to have a look at that. So, so here's here's some things that Paul left out. Um, <laughs> they threw out. Um, do you have that information in front of you, Paul? I think they threw out four charges. They remanded. They remanded four charges or so to back to the Alabama Court That's of uh, Criminal Appeals, and then they correct. upheld four. So right now, it looks like he's looking at four years in jail and about sixteen years on probation. Um. Now, let who, me knows, who knows when they'll get around to sentencing him? I was going to say, would he, with those remanded back to the court, would he be able to stay out during that time? I'm certain that his lawyers will argue that he should. Yeah. So we get, we might all be dead and gone before it ever gets there. Or Mike Hubbard's going to die of prostate cancer or heart disease or coronavirus or anything. But, uh, you know, the, the danger everybody else has going into the Alabama prison system, uh, violence, rape, or uh, uh, neglect. Um, so he won't have to face any of the conditions that he created by being Speaker of the House of the State of Alabama for years. Right, right. It'd be horrible for him to have to go to a, uh, you know, a state prison that he helped what, run into what, the ground. That's what should happen. All right, Paul, switch gears for me. Give me another one. Okay, uh, another article in Lanyap again. In need, those looking can find help during the crisis by Dale Leash. This is talking about a lot of the uh, uh, businesses and uh, mobile and restaurants and everything that are contributing in different ways to make things a little bit easier, providing food and meals and stuff like that. And one of the things that I thought was uh, very intriguing was that Rick Green, president of the Mobile uh, Market Space, has begun 3D printing of face shields to use during the pandemic. The masks are available for whomever needs them at no charge. Green asked that those interested call ahead before swinging by the space downtown. As of right now, people need them and we are printing them. They are available for anyone at no cost. I thought that was uh, uh, pretty ingenious using the 3G, 3D printer. And one of the things that people might have noticed uh, again is how, you know, we're talking about testing and it all comes down to testing. We're eventually going to have to have testing to understand just what's going on. But, uh, you know, you look around the United States and all the gas stations and all these different places have got these plexiglass shields that are like about 24 inches by 30, something like that, that now hang between the customer and the uh, person ringing up your sale. And you you have to think, no, wait a minute, how did they send out a million shields at one time? But they all got them. And then we say that we can't come up with the test. So it does make you wonder with our technology today, why that seems to be, you know, uh, such a problem. Uh, Two other things in uh, Lanyap as well as uh, Mobile um, Airport Authority announces the return of Frontier with an Orlando flight. That's kind of uh, weird that uh, 
that would be happening now, but Frontier Airlines, which left the mobile market earlier than expected last year, has announced it's coming back to city's downtown airport with a direct flight to Orlando airport. And I know that this has got to be a misprint, but the base price one-way ticket is $11. So I'm thinking that's probably 110, but it does say 11. <laughs> Uh, the, that that the would other, be extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, really. I'd buy me a couple of tickets now. Of course, that may be during the pandemic. It's 11, you know. Uh, the other article is plenty of beds. Local hospitals trying to minimize pandemic's financial impact. This is by Jason Johnson and uh, Mike Burke in the article. Spokesman for Ascension Group. Uh, who owns Providence Hospital, said the suspension of non-emergency procedures and particularly a reduction in some surgical services that aren't currently being offered have meant there is less need for some of the associates in Mobile. However, they've been covering their pay. They've been covering uh, babysitting. They've been trying to work with them, transferring them, and they're taking care of their employees. At Spring Hill Medical Center, uh, pretty much exactly the same thing. I know it's the same thing at Thomas Hospital. So uh, the hospitals seem to be uh, pretty much up on what is going on. They all are a little apprehensive of this next three or four days or week uh, because we're supposed to be uh, approaching the peak. And when we come to approaching the peak, that is the cover article for Lanyap this week, hospitals, first responders say they're prepared for the COVID-19 cases and, and uh, as they may increase. Uh, I don't know how we could say anything more about our first responders, nurses and doctors who have had to step out there and do this. Uh, some not seeing their children or family during the whole time and working. And why, and why are they having to do this, Paul? because we didn't make our politicians do their jobs. We That's didn't make correct. the hospital administrators right. do their right. jobs. The healthcare That's authorities correct. in Baldwin County didn't do their job. That's correct. And that's something that that's something that my dad told me a long time ago when I first started getting in this. He said, "Listen, he said electing somebody is just half of it. He said the other half of it is making them do their damn job that they were elected for." And that's what I'm trying to do, okay? Um, I can end up on the Lanyap stuff if you want me to right now, uh, Harry. Well, I, I've got something that I want to talk about real quick. Um, go, go ahead. While, and then I'll close while, while, while everybody's chilling at the house, um, I have some recommendations for you. Um, some of this is on Netflix. Some of it is on uh, other streaming services. But uh, I, I, I kind of came up with a little bit of a list of, of some nuggets. And if you haven't seen them before, you're doing yourself a dis. Uh, disservice um of course uh hot coffee we've talked about it before um that's a movie about the uh civil justice system uh there's a new series on netflix called the pharmacist do you know anything about that reigns oh yeah uh, what the, there's a pharmacist over in algiers and i can't remember what parish that is but it's it's on the it's on our side of the bridge from new orleans Okay, is that is it Saint Tammany? Um, so there's another great movie um, that uh, HBO did a few years ago about the AIDS epidemic called "And the Band Played On." Well, and if you, you haven't seen that, yeah. you, 
that's a good one. Um, and then there's a fun movie that uh, I'm sure Reigns is the only person that's ever watched it besides me. Have you ever seen Killing Zoe about the bank robbery? I've heard of it. Oh that's my god. <laughs> it's it's awesome. And then uh so so another movie that I like and uh Reigns, I'm sure that you're the only one that's not, that's gonna know this little tidbit. Have you ever seen the the America's Cup racing movie? um called wind of course it's got jennifer gray from dirty dancing matthew modine uh eric yeah so uh do you remember the name of the boat in the americas the, they named their uh their Longboat. that's right and so guess who is a direct descendant of geronimo pamela <laughs> Do, do you see a resemblance? And she's gonna. No, no I'm not gonna say that. And by the way, I'm in. I'm sleeping outside tonight because I'm afraid what may happen to me when I close my eyes. I think the only resemblance you're gonna see soon is her holding a rifle in that pose at you. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> oh my god! Don't put that sea base picture up there. Oh, oh, that's an even. Yeah, we we should talk about that for a second. This is my first picture with a celebrity. If you'll notice right there. President Clinton and uh, Reigns, where are you in this picture? I never uh, is that you? I believe I'm that's up there at the top. Yeah, that's me. And, I, and, and we were that we were not allowed to be more than three people. Uh, yeah. There had to be three people between us, so we're used to social distancing. That's right. Um, well, one more thing I wanted to talk about is this Barnwell Historic District. So yeah, yeah, you, you see the landmark district right here. So, you know, like I said, I got a bunch of old maps laying around. Now, this is one of the oldest maps of Alabama right here. Do you see anything that says Barnwell? I see Battles. Of course, that's Battles Wharf now, Point Clear, Marlowe. Have you ever heard of Lambertha? Never heard, I of, never Lam heard of that. Lamberia. Lamberta. Lamberta. I don't know. Oh, yeah, however, Lamberta. You're right. Lamberta. However you say it. But, I mean, these are some of the – and, of course, this is the recreation land they spent – 2.65 million on and it's right across it's uh located right across from uh the airport right here you see boss hog is uh holding down the uh the recreation land right there <laughs> all right dude finish this up on lanyap okay uh uh on lanyap as uh most of you might have already heard al.com is cutting back on their staff the mobile paper, they're having to furlough people. Uh, it's a pretty sad commentary on what's going on with our news and news media. And uh, of course, uh, the same thing is happening with uh, Lanyap. Uh, they put out a uh, statement that it's with great disappointment that we must let you know that Lanyap must switch to a bi-weekly printing during this time. Unfortunately, the slowness of federal financial aid combined with the varieties of what may be available down the line and the uncertainties of when the lockdown will end dictate that we must do what we can do to reduce costs. Now, it's important to remember this is not about print media is dead or any of the things that have destroyed newspapers. This is about advertising being shut down and unable to continue doing what they do. We offer that to say that there is no reason for Mobile not to become one of the cities in this country 
that doesn't have a newspaper. Your online support will help us continue providing a top-notch news for decades to come. And then inside Lanyap is a very passionate letter from the editor, uh, Ashley Trice, and uh, where she and Rob Holbert had started Lanyap in uh, 2002 uh, with 5,000 bucks. They've been 18 years at it. We had a Baldwin edition and everything was really, really going good until the plug just got completely pulled out. Uh, one thing that did happen that uh, has turned out to be in their favor is that they have a paywall for their subscription, which is 21 cents a day. And everybody complained and bitched about it when they first came out with it. But thank God they have it now because it may be one of the saving factors for the uh, paper. Uh, I really, really hope that uh, people will read Ashley's uh, letter and understand how important it is that we have some sort of media coverage here that we can depend on. And the digital paywall thing is only 21 cents a day. So I encourage you, please, please uh, subscribe to um, Lanyap. The last thing in Lanyap is by Rob Holbert and, and his article is, and now an important message from our government by Rob Holbert. And I'll just paraphrase it. It's a very cynical, but a lot of it is true as to how a small business person would be looking at what is going on now. When are they going to get a check? How are they going to get out of this? And uh, some of the business owners who are currently watching your life's work swirl down the toilet. And boy, do we have some great news for you. The payroll pay protection program. And it's on its way as checks in the mail, et cetera, et cetera, and this program and that program and the confusion about having to shut down. and Except it's uh, out of it's, money. Yes, it's just been horrible for small business, all small businesses. Please support your, your restaurants or anybody locally that you can. And um, I only got one other thing. And that is to encourage everyone to understand that social distancing is working. So don't be so critical about jumping back to work. The reason that it is working is because of social distancing. I'm hoping everybody will go to May 1st. Uh, the uh, last but not least thing is, you know, we talked about the uh, uh, city council being catalyst and, uh, uh, Mr. Pittman keeps coming up time and time again, and and we're about to really celebrate him next week. You'll see what I'm talking about. But uh, late Senator Pittman and uh, Burrell and all these same people pulling these antics are the major supporters of the Catalyst candidate Hightower. So don't forget, we got a runoff coming up in July 14th. You put the wrong person in there and you put a Catalyst person in Congress, and trust me, folks, you will regret that for life. Uh, everybody be safe. Hey, and, Paul. Uh, don't be paranoid. Did you see Matt Simpson's post on Facebook yesterday about the League of Municipalities had floated the idea of postponing the municipal elections in August? Oh, my God, no. You should check it out. He, he came out swinging for the fences against it. Um, 
which which I thought was good. I mean, obviously, we don't want any of these elected officials. Uh, we want as much turnover as we can get. Is how I is how I'd like to say it. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Fairhope, Fairhope had better turn over Mr. Burrell. I'll guarantee you that. I'm sorry, Reigns. Go ahead. I said, I said, you know, why not? Let's open the beaches, but hold up. We need to postpone the elections because there right. might be a problem. Right. Right. Mean right. Right. Thank you, Reigns. My sentiment exactly. So, uh, I have been to court. Uh, everybody knows the court systems are closed. And um, hearings are only taking place, uh, well, for bonds uh, and for um, emergency petitions. I happened to be involved in one of those. We had court uh, Monday morning and Thursday morning and finally finished it up. And um, so so this is how Pam and I handle things around here. Um, If one of us comes into contact with somebody that's not, uh, you know, my – my mother, my grandmother, somebody that I know self-isolating like we are, um, well, then we start the five-day countdown again. So we're on pins and needles again, wondering if I got infected while I was at the courthouse. You know, so uh, so today, when we get done here, we're going brim fishing up at my cousin's pond in uh, Tinsaw. What are y'all doing? I'm going in my yard, not coming back out till it's dark. Yeah, well, I'm going to buy a carton of cigarettes. <laughs> Hey, do they still do Marlboro Miles and all that? All those? Do you can you still get free T-shirts and stuff with the little things that come oh, out? Of the no, no, you guys, that's all. They, that, they made that against the law years ago. Uh, believe, uh, hey, believe it or not, when uh, when I lived in Belize, I uh, met the Marlboro Man. Yeah, yeah, you told me that story. I remember. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's hilarious. He had, he had like he had like ten types of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> He had yeah. this trach hole. It was very yeah. distinctive. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, that does it for us today. I appreciate everybody participating, and I'll see y'all next time. All right.